I've been in love with love. Hello, and everyone, and welcome idea. to another episode of the Desert Ship Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Beardsley, along with your other host, Tyler Cass. We have a lot to talk about, and by a lot, I mean a lot, and these are not small topics. These are some of the biggest topics so far of the year in terms of hockey. We have a lot to get through, but first, I mean, we got to ask Tyler an age-old question. How are you doing today? How's the weather over there? Uh, it's It's been really nice out. Um, not Like I always say, it's not as nice as Arizona, but... Oh, I'm going to have you pause there because it is currently cloudy outside in Arizona. It rained for the past two days in Arizona. It has not been good weather in Arizona. Maybe it's it's nicer here. What? Maybe it's nicer here for once. Yeah, maybe. It hasn't rained in a little bit in New York, but that'll change this weekend. Dang. That's that's tough. I hate the rain. Thanks to the weather. It's been hot and raining in Arizona, so it's been absolutely terrible. But we have a lot to get started on. Obviously, we should start off with maybe the biggest news, especially where we live for half the year, or in terms of me, uh, now full-time, Arizona and the Arizona Coyotes. I really wish we weren't here discussing yet another failed arena deal but here we are the tempe entertainment district and the uh the laws the um the votes for 301 302 and 303 have all failed um and that means the tempe entertainment district that was supposed to house the coyotes also supposed to house another sheet of ice along with theaters apartments other stores has failed, and that means they that those things will not be built. Um, that means that Tempe will keep a toxic uh, landfill. It means the Coyotes are once again searching for a home, this time with no really backup from the NHL because they are no longer opposed for relocation. And we are once again talking about the Coyotes potentially relocating and the Coyotes potentially taking another huge amount of time to go find a piece of land or a new arena. Before I read any of the quotes, would you like to get us started off real quick, Tyler, with your thoughts? Um, Yeah, it obviously sucks that it didn't pass. Um, that would have been so huge, not just for keeping the Coyotes in Arizona, just for Tempe in general, because it would have been such a nice uh, place, a nice entertainment district. There would have been so much stuff there to do. And, you know, as someone, you know, who me and you both, I think we were both looking forward to just having like a nice place over there. Cause I feel like there isn't a ton of like entertainment districts, I guess, in Arizona. So there would have been a place to go like hang out um, just outside of the Coyotes. And it sucks that that didn't happen. But I think that um, Batman is committed to keeping the Coyotes in Arizona. And now that they have owners who care and have money and are willing to spend time and money to, to put a future in Arizona, um, even though it didn't pass, I, I still think that there's a way for them to stay and, and not have to relocate. So there were a couple quotes that came out uh, the day that this um this failed uh both from the coyotes and the nhl i'm trying to find the nhl quote real quick um i got the arizona quote up though um so i'll read the nhl one first uh from gary bettman quote the national hockey league is terribly disappointed by the results of the public referenda regarding the coyotes arena project in tempe we're going to review with the Coyotes what the options might be going forward, end quote. The Coyotes put out something similar that day, that night, and then two days ago, uh, the Coyotes said and sent out a message to their season ticket holders and also posted on all their socials, quote, 
During the 2023-2024 season, the Arizona Coyotes will play at Mullet Arena. In addition, we remain committed to Arizona and have already started re-engaging with local officials and sites to solidify a new permanent, uh, permanent home in the Valley. We look forward to sharing more with you in the coming weeks. Sincerely, Javier Gutierrez, President and Chief Executive Officer of the Coyotes, end quote. Um, so I'm going to take you through like how, what happened real quick in my mind, the night, uh, that this happened and, and going forward. So the night this happened, I looked on my phone during work. And the first thing I saw was Clayton Keller's tweet with the sad face. And that's when I kind of realized that the vote didn't pass. I'll get to that whole side thing in a second. And honestly, for the first time ever, because I've always been on the page that the Coyotes aren't going to relocate. The profit is too good here. There's a lot of youth growing here. I mean, look at Austin Matthews, Tage Thompson. Uh, you look at the woman's side of things. You got Lindsey Fry. You got others coming from this area. I That was the first time I had ever thought that the Coyotes were going to relocate because what the Coyotes and the NHL put out that day saying we will review with the Coyotes going forward in the next couple of weeks. It's not like the other times where they automatically came out and said, oh, we're going to go find a new home. Don't worry. We're going to stay in Arizona. We're committed to Arizona. No, they, they all they said was we're going to talk to the Coyotes in coming weeks. What's going to happen? And honestly, I was I was scared and. You know, I wasn't the only one you listening to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. They were on the same boat. And then you wake up the next morning and uh, the report comes out that the Coyotes will be playing in Mullet Arena next season. So they weren't going to move in the middle of the night like the Atlanta Thrashers did to Winnipeg. And then the quote from the Coyotes saying that we're going to remain committed to Arizona came out. I am 100% sure that this franchise is going to stay now. You know, there was a little doubt. I think there was a little doubt in almost everyone, except Tyler, because he's very confident in his opinions. Um, but it's going to be tough. We're going to look at the uh, the uh, the projects that could associate with the new arena for the Coyotes in a second. But I want to get to this vote because I'm going to go on a rant. I am so sorry, Tyler. Uh, you are not going to get your votes here yet or your opinions here yet. But I want to go on a, a vote or, or a little rant about Tempe, especially coming from someone who lives literally minutes away from Tempe, someone who constantly is in Tempe uh, doing sports events, uh, eating, whatever, doing a lot of stuff over there. This is the dumbest thing that has ever happened in the Tempe City's history. It is stupid. And this is why. First off, this is not all the people of Tempe's fault because this is also Alex Morello's fault. And let me tell you why. Because Tempe First, which is the organization that was opposed to this deal, as soon as this thing, this uh, vote was passed to the general public, they started. And they started playing a very, very dirty and slimy game, including accusing Alex Morello of things that he didn't do, spreading lies, you know, all this BS that you saw creating stupid graphics that not only offended, you know, Tempe citizens, Coyotes fans, players and personnel, but also people like rape victims because they were using rape as a joke as Alex Morello apparently is raping the city of Tempe. Okay, so they were playing a very dirty, slimy game. And I tried my best uh, as a, a journalist student spreading the truth around the Tempe First uh, fan page. You know, I was trying to convince them. But no, these, these people like Lauren Kirby and people like that, just stubborn, don't know anything. They did not read any of what was going on, and that is eventually what won them the whole election, was because 
this misinformation that was being spread around was never really combated by the Tempe Wins organization, which was the organization that was in favor of the Tempe Entertainment District, which include included Alex Morello, the city council members. In fact, every single city council member from the past couple years, ever since Tempe was, you know, born, except two. And one of them was Lauren Kirby, who obviously is, I don't know, she must have dementia or something because she's stupid. Um, because she didn't spread any truth. Everything she said was false. Because I want to get this truth out here. The city's citizens weren't going to pay a single dime, a single dime for this project unless they stepped foot onto that land and physically bought something. You are not going to pay a single dime. And that's the thing. Don't they, Tempe first put out this whole thing about don't give money to corrupt and out-of-state billionaires. Meanwhile, they're getting funded by out-of-state billionaires. And it makes zero sense. And that's eventually that's what won them the election, especially because they started so early on, started spreading these lies so early on. And the Tempe Wins organization waited until after the Super Bowl. And yet another funding issue from the Coyotes took place here because they could have spent a lot more money getting the word around. I mean, you know it's bad when Bill Armstrong, the GM of the Coyotes, is going door to door talking to people about this. They aren't, they did not spend money on this program, on this campaign. And that's what eventually lost them that. They didn't really combat anything that Tempe First did because Tempe First, again, played a slimy, dirty game. And Tempe Wins never really addressed these lies that they were spreading besides a tweet or here or two. And guess who turned out for the election? More, the majority of the election came from 60 to 70 year olds voting no. And you know it's bad when 60 to 70 year olds are voting because they are easily skewed. And that is what Tempe First did. And Tempe First, with their dirty, slimy game, won the election. Now, what do they get? They get a nice little landfill to go play around in. Yeah, a landfill, a toxic landfill that now eventually Tempe citizens are going to have to pay to clean. So instead of getting it for free and getting a nice entertainment district, Tempe first tried to promise a nice little park, try to save all the puppies and unicorns and stuff in the Tempe, in the Tempe town, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep, we're going to make this landfill okay again. No, you're going to have to spend money on getting this landfill clean because it's toxic and it's going to cost a crap ton of money. And now have fun with that. You had a nice entertainment district, all planned, all paid for you. Now you get a landfill. You can't save the puppies. You can't save the parks. Nope, because it's just a toxic landfill. And it's going to sit there probably until the day Tyler and I retire from whatever we do. And we might be dead by the time that um, something gets built in there. I mean, even city council member Randy Keaton, a uh, former city council member, said, I'll probably be dead by the time something gets built there. And I'll be honest, I think something is going to be built there eventually. But probably not by the time, you know, me and Tyler are around to see it because it's toxic. It is going to cost a lot of money to renovate. And no one knows what the hell is going to be on there. So congrats, Tempe, first on your win. What do you get? You get a landfill. And you're going to sit back and you're going to see the Coyotes Arena, probably maybe a Tempe or sorry, maybe an entertainment district included into that in Mesa or Scottsdale that everyone enjoys and is getting a lot more revenue than your stupid town. I mean, I'll leave it off with this. I'll leave this little rant off with this. Um, man, you're really going to regret this, Tempe citizens. You are really going to regret this when all your city council members are saying this is the best deal that Tempe has ever had, when all your former city councils, but since the uh, city council members, but two of them, are saying this is the best deal that Tempe and the state of Arizona has ever had for a sports facility, and you say no, I I would be scared to live in that city of yours, especially with that 
fresh toxic landfill that you now have to go play around with. I hope you guys are doing barbecues over there over the summer, you know, getting all those toxic fumes in the in the meat and all that. Hope you guys have a great time with that landfill. Oh, that was like a, an all-time rant right there from you. <laughs> it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to say if you're a Coyotes fan and you live in Tempe, it's embarrassing to say you're from Tempe now. And now everyone is against Tempe now. No one really wanted a fucking toxic landfill in the middle of Tempe, except old people who were confused that, oh, we're going to get another thing there. We're going to save all the puppies and unicorns by taking this land back and building something there. But they were confused because, again, the lies spread by Tempe first really hurt this. And that's what really hurt the Tempe wins organization. They didn't combat this. So this is not just the citizens of Tempe. This is also Alex Morello's fault. And it's, it's embarrassing now that you have a toxic landfill sitting in, in front of your city that you're saying, oh, man, we're, we want to be the next highlight of Arizona. Even the Cardinals and the Suns supported this. And the Suns have hated the Coyotes for the longest time. And so their new owner, Matt Ishba, uh, came in. I mean, when everyone is supporting it except senior citizens, you should know something is wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you just said. And I, I think you bring up uh, a point with the, the Suns there. I don't know if you want to move on to um, yeah. uh, potential solutions to this, but I, I think that with both the Suns and the Coyotes having pretty new owners, um, that this is kind of, the time to restore the relationship because we all know Robert Sarver, former owner of the Suns, uh, he did not like the Coyotes, did not want to work with them at all. And uh, the Suns' new owner, um, he is a guy he's for the people. He, you know, he's making Suns games free um, for everybody to watch in Arizona. Um, it's not going to be on cable, no streaming. Everybody's going to be able to watch it. He wants the fans to be able to access their teams, and I, I think that um, if they the Suns goats. Uh, to the, I mean, if the Coyotes go to the Suns, and I, I think that I know Footprint wasn't built for hockey, but I saw the Islanders do a similar thing a few years ago where they played in Barclays for a few years trying to get a solution. So, you know, um, when the Mullet deal expires, if the arena isn't ready yet, or if the Suns are able to make Footprint a long-term solution, then I think that's something that uh, Ishbia would 100% be willing to work on. Same with the Coyotes. Owners. So I think that's definitely one possible solution and that one that they should look uh, to try and explore. I think that's the last case scenario. Honestly, they keep this team in Arizona um, because the Coyotes were actually playing in Footprint Center a long time ago when they first came out. It was called American West Center at the time. And the whole reason why they left that facility was because revenue sharing. And that's the issue with having two separate owners play in a single venue uh, because it's going to cause conflict and it's uh it's a reason why um the coyotes left in the first place um now you do have a new owner as you mentioned tyler matt ishba um very very good guy way different from the past sons owner and they have already started mending uh you know each other's relationships i mean the sons did support the tempe entertainment district but Again, I think, one, you would have to completely re renovate that arena because that was another huge reason why they left that arena in the first place was because of the sight lines. That's why Barclays kind of sucked. I think you can attest to that. Um, you know, as a temporary solution, I agree with you. That's that's good. It's fine because it's temporary. But as a full-time solution, if you really wanted to go there, you need to renovate that whole place. So that means you're going to get need more money. Um, and you're also going to have to figure out revenue sharing. And unless Matt Ishba buys the team, which I don't think is happening, I think this is Alex Morello's team. I think he's going to be the permanent owner for the Coyotes until potentially until he grows old or really old. Um, and so I think Footprint Center is the last case resort. 
because again, I do not think the Coyotes are moving from Arizona. I think there are better options and I'm going to get to that right now. Um, so the two options that I have really seen uh, come alive. And I think the two options I think are best for his franchise. Uh, there is a location in Mesa and there's also a location in Scottsdale. I'm going to talk about the Scottsdale location real quick because I think the Mesa location is looking more likely. All we know about the Scottsdale location is that it's probably only going to be on Indian reservation territory or Native American reservation territory. Uh, and that's going to be by Salt Lake and that's going to be by Talking Stick. Um, there's already the Diamondbacks and Rockies spring training facility out there. Very nice facility, I have to say. That is my favorite spring training place. You also have Top Golf. You have a casino out there. But other than that, you have empty land. Now, the whole issue, if you choose to build out there, because one is a very nice location. That is somewhere I would love the Coyotes to build. The thing you would have to figure out is the whole Native American laws. And that includes gambling. That includes a lot of other things. You would And uh, also land, uh, land rights. Um, there's a whole lot of issues there. It would probably take a very long time to sort it out and eventually build an entertainment district or arena on that land. Um, but it's a nice parcel of land. There's a lot of land out there. And it's a very, very nice location. There's a massive freeway near there. Uh, you have a lot of other things near there, like the Talking Stick Resort. You have Top Golf. You have a lot of things out there. And Scottsdale is a very, very nice area, as we all know from people who live in Arizona. Let's move on to the Mesa side of things, because that is what I think is the most likely solution. And this is what we've gotten the most detail out of since the Coyotes got their Tempe Entertainment District failed. Um, so the Coyotes have reached out to Mesa officials already. Uh and Mesa officials have said, you know, they would love the Coyotes to come out here. Um, they would love for that to happen. And uh, there's an area that they really want renovated. And that is the Fiesta Mall uh, location. And that is not far at all uh, from Tempe. And that's what I was really worried about in the first place, because uh Mesa is a massive city. So I I work in Mesa. I work near Los Sendes, uh, which is the hills of Mesa, which is basically the very eastern side of Mesa. And it takes me around 24 minutes on a good day from the border of Tempe to there uh, to get to my job. And that's why I was very worried about uh, the Coyotes having another Glendale situation. But if you look at the directions where the Coyotes would build, it's only 15 minutes away. And that's from the border of Tempe and Phoenix. That is very good. It is right next to Tempe, whereas where the, all the Coyotes fans are. Because they're not in Glendale, they're in Phoenix and Tempe. So the Tempe Mall, is, or sorry, not the Tempe Mall, the Fiesta Mall is basically an abandoned lot. It's a failing mall. I mean, we all know the mall story and how malls are becoming irrelevant. Um, and that would be a perfect place to build because one is very close to Tempe, but two, and this is the kicker here. It is private land and it would not require a public vote to purchase, which is massive for the Coyotes because I'm be honest. I don't think they have years to stay here and figure out a deal. I think they have months and that's not a very long time. So if they can quickly buy the Fiesta Mall area, which many Mesa officials have said they want that place to become vibrant again. I think because it's a Hispanic district, it's a very Hispanic heavy district. Um, and the Coyotes have become a very, Hispanic and diversity orientated group, especially with Alex Morello and Javier Gutierrez becoming the first um, Mexicans to own or Latinos to own a sports franchise. I think this would be a perfect fit 
It's so close to Tempe. You could even put a light rail station there. I think it will be great. I think that would be a great fit for the Coyotes. I think that would really shove a finger in Tempe's face and say, look what you could have had, but you're going to have a landfill instead. And the fact that Mesa officials are already supporting this and the fact that uh, Alex Morello uh, will probably still be paying for the arena, especially by him saying he's going to remain committed to Arizona, I think this would be perfect. Yeah, and um, also with Mesa, I believe the light rail goes down to there also. It does. So um, I, I think it's just a little uh, further away than uh, currently Mullet is, like a few stops down. So it wouldn't even take that much longer by taking the light rail, which, I mean, I know that's what I use to get to most games, and so did you. So yeah. uh, even if you don't have a car, it's like, it'll still be convenient to be able to get to Mesa. So. Yep, and I think the only – downside of Mesa is that if it somehow does get to public vote, I would be very worried about that because a lot of the citizens there are older. That is considered the retirement hub of the Valley. But if this is true and it's private land and it does not need a vote to pass, this is a slam dunk for the Coyotes and they absolutely need to build there. I will be out there with my Coyotes jersey saying let's build this land because honestly this is what is best for Arizona this is what's best for the game of hockey out here you have so many pros going for this game of hockey including the ASU women's hockey team selling out not just one not just two but potentially three days of um hockey camps that is impressive for girls hockey that shows that it's not just the Kachinas. It's not just Lindsay Fry. It's the Coyotes, too, because the Coyotes helped build all of that. Hockey is thriving down here. Again, I know all the traditionalists will say, eh, move them to Quebec. They're not going to Quebec. If they move anywhere, they're going to Salt Lake City. They're not going to Houston, either. They're going to Salt Lake if they move, and I doubt they move. So shout out Trey Matthews. Screw you for saying go. they're going to Houston. They're not. They're going to stay in Arizona. And yeah, that's, um, that's it. Yeah, and uh, an hour ago, um, a tweet from Mike Gould, um, the Mesa mayor, uh, said he doesn't anticipate a vote would need to take place uh, for the Coyotes to build a rink in Mesa um, because it would be privately paid for. Um, and so, if if it doesn't need a vote, which it looking like it does, it probably won't need to as long as it's just privately funded, which it will be. And as long as the city council is in favor of it, which it looks like they are, then some, it'll be able to get done. And I, I think that they'll, they'll be able to, as long as the city council is on board with it, I think that things will start moving fairly quickly. So I just want to run through this quickly because the Coyotes have been really snarky on Twitter recently. <laughs> um, they just tweeted out five minutes ago. Quote, Pack, if this tweet gets 20,000 likes by the end of the day, we will leak our new arena plans. End quote. It is already at 1,000 likes, and it's been five minutes. I don't know why they're doing this, because they also tweeted out, Pack, we want to hear from you. Where should the Coyotes build our new home? And they put out a poll. Uh, they put Mesa, Scottsdale, Chandler, and Gilbert. If they go to Gilbert, that is... That's terrible because Gilbert is basically like the east side of uh, Glendale. It's like Glendale is the west. Gilbert is the east. You do not want to build in those locations because they're all the way out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know why they're doing this. I, I don't know why they're being snarky like this. It's not a good look, honestly. It's it's funny, but it's not a good look for the organization. And then they also tweeted out uh, 15 hours ago. Greg Wyshynski put out a tweet, basically relocation odds. Um, and then they put out a gif of, uh, I think that's Michael Jackson, uh, eating popcorn. Um, so apparently like if we, uh, <laughs> by the end of the day, we might know they might leak the new arena plans. Uh, I don't know if this is a joke or not, but if that happens, we'll be back on here speaking about that. <laughs> I can't believe we're here. I honestly can't. 
Um, I'm just going to shout out the uh, Tempe Citizens one more time. Congrats on your landfill. Let's move on. Um, Logan Cooley, we'll go through this real quick. Logan Cooley uh, is staying in Minnesota, not coming to the Arizona franchise quite yet. Tell your quick thoughts about this one. Yeah, um, I actually I, I really wanted to come to Arizona, but the more I think about it, I think this is the best move for his development just because he has the chip on his shoulder. He was one goal away from winning the national championship. Um, and I think now that he loses uh, Matthew Nyes next year, that this is kind of his chance to really take over and just put the program on his back and, you know, be that guy. So I think that this year will be great for his development, um, great for his confidence, going back to a really good team and winning that national championship. Um, so the, just the more I think about it, I think this is probably the best move for his development. Yeah, um, I think this is the best deal for the uh, development of Logan Cooley as well. I think it's good for him to stay away from all the drama that's going on with the Coyotes too. I think it's good for him to stay in Minnesota. Uh, you spoke of Matthew Nyes. We're going to switch gears from Arizona to the other massive news that just broke uh, a couple hours ago. I'm still looking at that Arizona Coyotes tweet saying the 20K likes. I can't believe they tweeted that. I'm very scared of what's going to come out of that because it's going to hit 20K likes. Um, man, okay. But anyway, um, the big news that's come out of Toronto, Kyle Dubas will not be returning to the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. Um, him and the Leafs have parted ways massive news uh, especially with him saying a couple of days ago that if he is not back in Toronto he will not be a, a GM this upcoming season this opens up a lot of questions this opens up a lot of interesting opinions we're going to get Tyler's opinions first what do you think of this Tyler yeah um, I think he's 100% taking the year off um, first of all, he's he's very young, and being a GM, especially in Toronto, is not an easy job at all. I think there's a lot of stress there. He hasn't had a ton of time to be with his family, and he 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 said that it's either Toronto or nowhere. So I think he's 100% taking this year off. He's going to be with his family and just evaluate um, what his future is, um, because he if he wants to come back, there'll 100% be a job for him somewhere in the NHL. But I think he's going to take at least a year off, you know, evaluate what he wants, where he wants to be, and then take it from there. So I don't think we'll see Dubis in the NHL for at least this coming season. But um, this opens up a, a big, big job in Toronto that I think is going to be very enticing for a lot of people. I think a, a lot of people are going to want that job. What do you think of uh, of his time in Toronto? Um, it's It's – complicated because he came into a good situation you know he came in there with after the really really bad years where he had a lot of prospects already there he made good moves I mean he signed to various he made all the trades but you look at it and his time amounted to one uh second round win in his entire 10 year um he made it past the first round one time and they lost in five games. So I, to me, I, I look at it as a failure because, you know, they brought in him to take that next step and make Toronto the, these perennial contenders. And you look at their roster and they shouldn't have done that, especially with the moves he made this year. Um, so, I mean, it's hard because you can't blame everything on him. He put together a solid team and, you know, he made the right moves in my opinion but he was just never able to win anything. And I think with the team that he had, um, even though it wasn't totally his fault, not being able to even, you know, make it to the third round or the finals, I think that's a failure. I completely agree with you. I'm going to go over some of the uh, more famous and slash infamous moves that he made. Um, so Dubas, um, he was hired as assistant GM in 2014 after he was GMing the Sue Greyhounds, um, and then 2018, after Lou Lamorello uh, left the organization, <laughs> yep, that big smile from you, Tyler. Um, 
2018 May 11th, he was named as the Leafs GM, one of the youngest GMs in NHL history. John Chaika is obviously the youngest still when he was selected to GM the Arizona Coyotes. Um, he made a lot of big moves. I uh, signed Tavares for seven years, um, July 1st of that same year that he got hired. I uh, signed Austin Matthews to a five-year extension in 2019. He signed Mitch Marner also in 2019 to a uh, six-year extension. He also signed the William Nylander extension that lasted until the day of uh, the uh, contract uh, day where you can't sign anyone after that day. Um, And that was a six-year, $45 million contract that everyone's been criticized, was everyone criticizing him for. It's turned out to be one of the best contracts on the Maple Leafs, arguably. Um, He signed Morgan Riley for eight years on 2021. Um, A lot of people criticized that deal as well. But, I mean, he was excellent in this year's playoffs. Maybe the best player on that team uh, during the playoffs this season. Um, Trade-wise, I mean, he's made some noticeable trades. We point to the Nazem Kadri for... Alex Kerfoot and Tyson Berry uh, trade as a big, you know, kind of L almost in the organization. Um, I think one that he was definitely not proud of and one that definitely will stick around him for the long time is the Flingo trade where he traded a, a lot of assets uh, to Columbus for Nick Flingo, who didn't really do much, was often injured. Um, in a short time with Toronto, eventually went to Boston. Um, he, uh, I think that's where the negatives kind of end. I think those are the two trades that really stick out with me that uh, really were not good trades. I'm trying to just search up any other trades that he did uh, real quick. Um, I think those are the two trades that really hurt him, if anything. Um the third for David David Riddick wasn't good as well. Um, the Morazic signing hurt him as well. Uh, the McCann, actually, this this one will probably be uh, the biggest one for me. Uh, the Jared McCann whole debacle and how he traded him from Pittsburgh, and then he instead of protecting him, he decided to protect Paul and Kerfoot. I thought that was a massive L. Um, and then I think he did he do the Mason Marshment for Dennis Morgan trade? Do you remember that by any chance? Was that during his time? Um, yeah, I think he did. He did. He, I think he also, I believe he did a lot of the ones with the, the Kings back at the 2019. Uh, oh, the Jack Campbell trade? trade deadline. Yeah, Campbell and the Muzzin trade. Yeah, I, I think the Muzzin trade wasn't bad simply because I thought in his time, well, so far in his time, um, you know, when Muzzin is on the ice, he's good. I don't think he, I think he's one of the best Maple Leafs defensemen, I'm going to be honest. The issue is he's always getting hurt, and I think you would agree that's why that dampers that trade. And the Jack Campbell trade, I feel like that's a trade that they kind of had to make, especially with Freddie Anderson struggling at that time. I know Campbell wasn't the OG goalie. I thought, you know, he wasn't terrible in Toronto. He obviously got terrible in Edmonton, in my opinion. I don't think he was the reason why or the sole reason why Toronto lost any of those rounds with him. Um, I Let's go over the good stuff first, and then we'll get yeah. over the playoff failure. Um, so I think uh, some good things he had. I thought I think we both agreed uh, during that episode when we did the trade deadline. I we both thought Toronto had one of the best trade de- deadlines. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. I automatically I would say so. Um, and I think a lot of those acquisitions really paid off in the playoffs. I thought Ryan O'Reilly was incredible in the playoffs. I thought Luke Shen was incredible in the playoffs, and that is someone they need to bring back because I thought he was great. I thought the Nolachari addition was good. Um, the Sam Lafferty acquisition was good. 
I, I mean, I don't want to critique the, yet because I do want to go over some pros real quick. Um, the Ilya Samsonov signing was great for them. Um, the I'm trying to look. Um, man, uh, da, 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 the Colin Blackwell trade for of Giordano. Uh, for the so yeah, I thought that one was good. Um, you know, there there's some good stuff in here. I, I really do believe that. I thought all of the uh extensions that I signed each of the core four to was great. And then then it kind of you know runs out here because then you look at things like the Matt Murray trade, and that was not the best for them, and they have to deal with that now. Uh, the new GM does. The Met, or I forgot the bunting uh, deal. That was incredible by Kyle Dubas. The fact that he got bunting for that low of money, that was a, another great deal for them. Um, and then going back on the other side of things, I mean, you, I don't think Jake McCabe was all that good. I thought the Rasmus Sandin trade was not the best. The Pierre Anvil trade, I mean, that was okay because he was never going to fit in Toronto and. I, even though Engvall did have more points than Bo Horvat in the playoffs, I mean, um, there's not a lot you can do there. And I think the biggest, the biggest L besides the McCann thing for them was the whole thing that Kyle Dubas told his guys that he was never going to trade any of the core four. And that was a huge issue because that is, I think, the main issue with Toronto. I don't think it was Kyle Dubas. I, I don't know if you agree with me, but I don't think Kyle Dubas was the main problem in Toronto. He's going to get a job somewhere when he decides to come back. Um, we'll talk about a likely destination for him uh, once we're done talking a little bit more about Dubas. Um, but going on to the playoff rounds, and this is probably what eventually killed him. They only got out of the uh, first round once. This whole tenure, and that was this season when they – took out the Lightning in six, and then got kind of embarrassed by the Panthers in five um, and only won one game. So if you look at it, they acquired all these guys just to win one series and one game in round two. But, I mean, it's already been spoken enough about all the embarrassing losses in the first round, the back-to-back losses in game seven to Boston, the – Columbus series where they lost in the qualifying round. Um, they lost against Montreal, who shouldn't have even been in the playoffs in seven games after having a 3-1 series lead, uh, which also was in their chapter of failure in Joe Thornton's career, unfortunately. So I'm not very happy about that. Um, the fact that they, I mean, I thought they played a good game against Tampa last season. Um but they lost in seven. Um, did I did I miss it? Any other embarrassing playoff defeats? Um, Boston. Yeah, the back to back ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So personally, I don't think Kyle Dubas was the problem. I think it's no. the four. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, I don't think Dubas was the problem at all. The only thing that I will say is. I think this year he did enough to get them over the hump, but in previous years, I would say that he kind of didn't do enough um, just in terms of the Leafs had great teams all of those years. And I think he should have done more um, than what he did, especially last year. Um, I didn't think he did enough at the deadline. So I'll put a little bit of blame on him there, but I thought this year, especially he did enough to, to make them a cup contender. And I think that a lot of um, the decision to, you know, part ways with him is because you lose that emotional connection. Like you said earlier, he said he was never going to trade that core four. So now bringing in somebody new, you don't really have that emotional connection there. And you have somebody that's, you know, willing to explore trades with either of these guys, because personally, I think that they need a shakeup. I think that they should look to do similar to what Calgary and Florida did and do like a star for star trade where, you know, you don't lose out on the talent, but, you know, you bring in a new guy, a new face, to try and just shake things up and create some new chemistry there. And I think Dubis wasn't really willing to do that. And now bringing in a new guy, you know, there's not the emotional connection there. Um, You know, he wasn't somebody that 
you know, knows these guys personally. So it's not going to be as hard to trade them um, as a new GM. It'll obviously be hard for the organization and the fans, but I think as a new GM coming in, I think it'll be a lot easier to, you know, look and explore trading a lot of the core guys. Yeah. I wonder what they do because whoever steps in or whoever is the assistant GM, um, they have a lot to do because you obviously have the amount of UFAs that you acquired during the trade deadline, including Shen O'Reilly. Um, there's a couple more, um, but you also have Matthew's contract ending up soon. We all know where he wants to go. He wants to come to Arizona. Um, and obviously his, I don't think his, uh, his, Media exit interview was all the most like convincing that he wants to stay in Toronto. I know he said his goal or his his plan or whatever he said uh, was to stay in Toronto, but it wasn't as convincing as William Nylander basically pouring his heart out to the media how how much he loves Toronto and stuff. And again, it feels like the same thing every year in the media exits. Like, oh, I want to stay in Toronto. Oh, I love Toronto. Like, it's always discussing the core four is going to leave. We have been saying this for, like, probably since the uh, qualifying round elimination to Columbus, where, oh, and we're going we're gonna to see one of the core four uh, get taken out and never happens. Uh, first off, Tyler, do you think one of the core four is leaving this summer? Um, I don't know if it happens this summer. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. I think to me, the most likely would be Marner. Um, and that's just because I think that you could probably get the most back for him. Um, I would say Matthews probably has the most value, but I, I think that um, Marner, you could get the most back for him uh, just because he has a, a reasonable-ish contract. I think Matthews is going to demand a lot more money than Marner. So, you know, you trade for Marner. I believe he's an RFA in a short amount of time, but you still still have them for a few years. And uh, I think that teams will be more willing to give up stuff for Marner because he's not going to ask for like 14 million like Matthews will. Um, I think you could still land a start back. Um, I think we'll talk more about this, like in the off season predictions and like that stuff. But I definitely think that you could see a similar trade with Marner, like they did to Chuck for Huberto, something like that, where Marner goes to another team, but you still have two really good players going back to Toronto to shake up that core. Um, I don't think they get rid of Nylander just because um, I think he wants to be there. I think that his contract is really, really good. Um, I don't think they get rid of Tavares just because he has the no movement clause. His contract is rough, and I don't think you would get a ton back for him. Um, and the Matthews thing is, I don't know how willing teams would be to take a chance on him because, you know, right now it seems like he wants like a short bridge deal, something like three to five years. Um, and he's going to want like 14 million. If you're a team, is it really worth trading for him, giving him a three year deal for like 14, 15 million a year, just to have him walk again. I don't know how many teams would be willing to do that. Um, so I, I think Marner's the most likely, but I don't know if they do it just because I think it's tough to, you know, part ways with this core just because of how loved they all are. See, I'm going to go with someone different. I'm going to say I'm going to be the ballsy one and say that none of the core four is moving over the summer because I just don't think, especially with getting rid of your GM, I don't think anyone has the balls to get rid of one of these guys as their first move as a GM, especially because the Maple Leafs aren't rebuilding. If anything, they're retooling, but they're going to be in the playoffs next year. I think that's that's without a doubt. I think either one of Tampa or Boston is going is going to get knocked out of the playoffs next next year. Um, but I think the one who is most likely to leave is going to be Austin Matthews because hear me out. This is his last year coming up on his contract. If you are Toronto. And you don't think you can get a deal done with him, even if you guys are going to the playoffs, you need to trade him. Because if he just walks, that is a major L on everyone in that organization. Everyone, including the owner. So, as someone who believes that Matthews is going to come to Arizona 2024, baby, I, I genuinely think he's going to leave by next summer. 
Call me crazy. Call me crazy, Tyler. Yeah, I, I don't think he leaves yet. I think that he's going to get like a short deal, but a lot of money that sticks him in Toronto for like three or four more years. Cause that seems all the reports I'm seeing going around is he wants a bridge deal, which I don't really understand that. Um, He's going to become the highest-paid player. Yeah, I think he would 100% will be. Well, he'll be the highest-paid player for about a year until McDavid yes, gets free agency. Correct. But, but I, I think that he's going to be looking to make I, – I think that, you know, potentially if he hits 65 goals, then he could realistically get over $14 million, which sounds crazy, but with the salary cap going up, scoring 65 goals in this era is crazy, and he has the potential to do it. So I think that – uh, if if he's not willing to stick long term in Toronto, then they will trade him. But I think they get a short bridge deal done. Um, I don't really know why he wants that, but I think that if he's willing to 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 take three four years, then Toronto will give it to him. I mean, because you look then, at, oh god, you're, yeah, you're, you're not stuck with his fourteen fifteen million for the next eight years. So I think Toronto would be more willing to do it because you know you're not going to be paying thirty five year old Matthew. 15 million you'll, you'll have him off the books by the time he's like 30 you look at the contract nathan mckinnon got and you gotta expect that matthews probably gets more than that because of his personality his goal scoring techniques and you know because he plays in toronto and toronto decides to do that but i just don't see the cap space that toronto can get um especially with having Tavares, nylander and marner under it and even if you get rid of one of those it's still going to be hard because you're squeezed for cap right now so it's going to be interesting what happens there and it's going to be interesting who takes over the gm position because you got a lot of options to do you gotta figure out uh sheldon keith you gotta figure out what you're gonna do with matt murray especially with the emergence of joseph wool um you gotta figure out what's going to happen with core four. I think uh, right off the bat, someone that comes to mind to take over GM is Brad tree living because he's dealt with massive players before in a Canadian organization. I think he comes to mind uh, first, but we spoke about a potential landing spot for Kyle Dubas. And that is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, the Penguins have really talked a lot about Kyle, Kyle Dubas ever since they got rid of Ron Hexdall. Thank God. Um, and then they've also been talking to Peter Shirelli and John Chica, two of the mo- most infamous GMs in the league recently. Um, Tyler, first thoughts about Pittsburgh and their GM search real quickly. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting because if Dubas wasn't, didn't say the whole thing about him taking, you know, a year off and he it was either Toronto or nowhere, then I think that Pittsburgh would be all over him. But now that he isn't, does, you know, Pittsburgh want to wait around for Dubas? Because maybe he comes available next year and you can hire him, but maybe, you know, he takes more time off. We don't really know what his plans are. Um, So I don't know if Pittsburgh's going to just bring in a guy for a year and hope that he get Dubas next year, because I think they really, really want Kyle Dubas. That's what just what it seems like, all the rumblings. Um, So I think that they, they bring in, uh, a guy who they'll see what he does next year um, to try and bring his team into a new direction. But I, I think they're going to try and go the route where they can get out of it and try and focus on Dubis if he comes available next offseason. Yeah, I agree. I think if anything, they hire an intern GM within to wait for Kyle Dubis because, like you said, they really want Kyle Dubis. Um, I think the reason why is because, one, He's a younger GM, and I think that's what the whole organization wants to do is get younger. I think that finally went through their mind mindset after Ron Hextall did a just genuinely terrible and awful job with the Penguins. And the fact that you have Crosby, Malkin, throwing Latang and Gensel in there, these four big players, your core four in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I think Kyle Dubas, you know, did a decent job managing the core four in Toronto. I think Pittsburgh looks at that and they want that. So I think I honestly think, especially when Crosby and them leave and retires, I still think they keep Kyle Dubas because Kyle Dubas is a younger GM. And it would be interesting to see what he does in a rebuild. Um, but we'll see what happens. I know Eric Tolsky has also been interviewed for that position. He's someone that I really want to see get a chance. 
uh, within the organization. He's someone I really wanted San Jose to interview when they when they were doing their GM search because he's done a fantastic job in Carolina. We'll see what happens. But a, another team that is going through changes, uh, we mentioned Calgary and Brad Tree living a while back ago and how they, he got fired. Daryl Sutter got fired. And that brings a whole beam of light into Calgary. You got the new Calgary Arena coming in now um, with their new deal. And multiple players apparently, reportedly, have rescinded their trade requests because of Sutter getting fired. Uh, quick thoughts, Tyler, before uh, we start wrapping up this episode. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of the Calgary um, coaching thing, I think they just um, – I guess promote the Wranglers head coach. I forgot his name, but that guy's done unreal. Uh, job Brad there. Love or uh, something. Yeah. His last name. Yeah, I think that's the most likely option, just because that he's been so good in the AHL, and I think he's like breathed a new life, and he's familiar with a lot of their prospects and young guys, and he wouldn't be afraid to play them. And I think that Calgary, you know, the whole thing with opening up new arenas is you kind of want it, it to start like a new era. So I think. In the next few years, we're going to see its new GM, GM come in, a younger GM, a younger coach, and you know them try and go this younger route. Where by the time they open up this new arena, their their core is guys like Coronado, Jacob Peltier, um, a lot of their younger prospects, and we start to seeing a lot of these older guys, um, like you know Zadorov, Hannafin, Backlund, Elias Lindholm. I think we see a lot of them starting to get shipped out because they're going to try and go a younger route. So by the time this new arena opens, it's kind of this new era of the Flames. Yeah, so Mitch Love, he got hired in 2021. So he spent two seasons so far in the AHL organization. Um, one was with the Stockton Heat. Shout out the Stockton Heat. Bring them back. And then the ever was with the uh, Wranglers. Um, I think you have a great point. He's been a fantastic coach for them. He brought them all the way to the Western Conference Final. I believe it was game six last year when the Heat made it all the way there. And then he's brought the Wranglers to a deciding uh, game against the Coachella Valley Firebirds. One win within the Western Conference Finals yet again in the AHL. Um, And I think because he knows a lot of the guys that are going to be with the Flames in a second, uh, which includes Jacob Peltier and my favorite goaltending prospect Dustin Wolf or California legend um I think they're really gonna look at him I think he would be a great choice to be a NHL coach especially in Calgary and he seems like a guy that everyone loves and everyone likes being around in that AHL organization and I think that's something you need especially after such a uh diverse coach in uh Daryl Sutter I think Mitch Love would be the ideal choice if I was the Calgary Flames ownership or assistant GM to promote within. But I think you wait for the AHL playoffs to conclude and then you you promote him. I think that would be the best choice. I really think he's going to be a great NHL coach. And I think it's a matter uh, – it's not a matter of um, – it's not a matter within, like, years. It's a matter of when, like, when within – I would say two years he becomes an NHL coach. Within those two years, he's going to become an NHL coach because he's just that good. And I really think he's brought a lot of life, not just to the final days of the Stockton Heat, but also to the Wranglers in their first season in Alberta Um, because the Heat were a very mediocre franchise until he took over. And then you have Dustin Wolf, Jacob Peltier, uh, Connor Zari, um, you're going to have some other players like Matt Coronado from the NCAA. He's really good with these younger players. And I think that's something that Calgary really needs. But one last thing about coaching, and that is John Quenville. We're going to go through this real quickly. Basically, Gary Batman is going to meet with Quenville right after playoffs conclude. That means we're probably going to see Quenville back as a head coach really soon. Um, last coached Florida before being dismissed um, because of the whole Blackhawks scandal. Um, So real quickly, where do you think Funville ends up? I think we both have the same idea where he's probably going to end up. Um, I I really – 
don't know because I would say the most likely thing would be the Rangers. I think that's where you were looking towards. I think they would 100% interview him. Um, the only thing is, first of all, does he get reinstated? I know Batman's meeting with him about it. And second of all, um, is it somewhere the, the Rangers want to go? Because he's an experienced guy. You know, he won cups with the Blackhawks. But, I mean, they tried that with Gallant, and it didn't really work. I don't know if they're going to try and go for a younger head coach to try and reach a lot of their younger players. Because, in my opinion, if you hire Quenville, um, that is probably the worst thing for turning Lafreniere and Kako um, into these stars. I think that it's going to, you know, I, I don't know how much more you can develop them, but if you want to see how much potential that they have, I think that's the worst thing to do is bring in a guy like Quenville. Um, I, in my opinion, I, I think that they should go with their AHL coach, the guy in Hartford. I think he's done a really good job there. Uh, I forgot his name again, but he's been a, a candidate that's been talked about. So I think it's between him and Quenville. And I think it's all a direction that they want to go because I think Quenville probably um, keeps your window open a little bit longer for winning a cup. I think you could take them there. But I think that in terms of development, um, especially they have some still some solid prospects outside of um, like Brandon Offman, I think is, is going to be great. Um, and if you want to have Lafreniere and Kako really break out, then I, I think bringing in a younger guy to reach them and, you know, make them contenders for the future. I think that would probably be their best option because, you know, in my opinion, once Panarin, he, Panarin is going on the downhill, he's still Kreider, who's still solid, but I think that he's, you know, um, coming out of his prime. Then I mean, if you, you're, you're going to need Lafreniere and Kako to step up and be your, your top line wingers. And I think that bringing in a younger coach to help these guys reach their potential is probably the best option for their long-term future. Absolutely. Uh, real quickly, before we end it, I do want to point this out. 25 minutes ago, uh, this tweet just came out. Elliot Friedman, uh, quote, Clay and Keller had a meeting yesterday with the Coyotes. Now I want to make this very clear. There is no trade request here. But I think what Keller did say is that he wants direction and reasonably quickly on the future of the franchise on and off the ice and quote. And Keller's agents were just out here the other day. They appeared on PHNX Coyotes. Um, this isn't surprising to me because Keller is now 25. He had a great season. Um, and I think I, I think he's voicing what all the Coyotes want. And he is now the face of the franchise with Chickering gone, with uh, Doan uh, retired, with OEL shipped off to Vancouver. He's now going to he's going to be the captain eventually. I think that's undebatable. This just puts a lot more pressure and time on the Coyotes. They need to get this done because I think for the first time ever. On the ice and ownership-wise, the Coyotes are solid. They have a great future, a lot of great things coming for them. Logan Cooley, Matias Michelli, whoever they draft in, with their two first-round picks this season. Um, we can go Maverick Lamoureux, like Morgan Geeky. Like we can go on and on about the endless amount of prospects they have. And they have a great owner. They need to get this arena uh, done Otherwise, they're going to have no one coming to them and they're going to have players leaving. And as I mean, everyone loves Clayton Kelly down here. You really want him uh, here. I think he's been having a rough couple of days, especially with his dad's Twitter account being hacked. Um, when he said he was going to leave, that was all BS and just came out today that his Twitter account did, in fact, get hacked. We saw his reaction to the Tempe Entertainment District um, being failed with a sad face on Twitter. And he did do a lot of campaigning for that. I think he was the most vocal coyote besides Doan. And if you want their Armstrong in there, um, I think he was the most vocal coyote. He was appearing on videos. He went to meetings. Like he spent a lot of his time advocating for this arena you really need to get this done if you're the Coyotes ASAP because not only do you have the NHL and their owners breathing down your neck, but now you have the potential uh, loss of Clayton Keller, arguably your biggest player. I would say he's be way better than Shane Doan. I would say your best player since Jeremy Roenick and uh, Chuck, and you got to get this done. Any thoughts real quick, Tyler, on that quote before we end the episode? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's going to be tough anyway this offseason to sign 
free agents if they, they don't have a clear future because no one's going to want to commit to longer than a year if they don't even know where they're going to be playing in a few years. So I think that um, just in terms of even this offseason, you want to get things done sooner rather than later. And the, they have a few RFAs. I think Michelle is even an RFA. So there's some guys who you're going to want to sign long-term and you're going to need this stuff figured out if you want to have these guys commit to your team um, for the your future. And you want that future to be in Arizona and you want them to know that it's going to be there. Yeah, you need you need this done. You need this blueprint. I think you're solid on the ice with uh, Bill Armstrong's amazing plan, but you need this arena deal done, uh, especially to end all the gyms. Um, But that's going to do it for this. I think it was a pretty long episode of the podcast. Spoke a lot about um, all these massive topics. So, want to thank you for listening once again to the podcast. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Chase Beersley underscore. Follow me to rant about Tepe first um, and to, you know, follow everything AC Women's Hockey and then also uh, anything hockey related. And then you can also follow, follow Tyler Cass underscore for more pictures of stop signs and other stuff that he randomly posts. Um But that's going to pretty much do it. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Have a great Waiting for